0: Well, my wife and I have uh, horses, two horses and uh, two dogs. And uh, so we're just outside of Austin, which uh, it's, it's nice. Uh, it's about a 15 to 20 minute drive to get in, into the city, which you know, I, I would imagine even if I lived in the city, it would probably take me 10 minutes to go anywhere I wanted to, to uh, go
1: to. So,
0: yeah, you know, I think I have it pretty good out here.
1: I live in New York, so my, my standard for something being quick to get to is, is very, <laughs> I would say, very high. Within the city, it takes forever to get basically anywhere. Oh, sure. How long have you been out there for?
0: Well, it's been, uh, what, uh, 24 years. Oh, wow. I mean, in Texas, 24 years. I, I've lived in other cities in, in Texas but it's well I'm actually where I'm at now I've been here about 18 years 18 or nine, nineteen
1: so quite a bit of time was part of moving to Austin the uh, Daniel Johnston connection
0: uh, well it initially yes uh, I went out uh, to do some recording with uh, um, with Daniel had some time off and met up with the uh, woman that I, I had gone to college with years and years ago and uh, I ended up marrying her and I thought, well, you know, as long as we're married, I might as well live in the same town as she does. So I moved to Texas after that.
1: When I do ask this question of musicians, um, you know, because obviously to a certain extent there's a flexibility that you have versus other careers, you know, certainly things that <clears throat> require you to go into a store or go into an office every day and and it's a very very high percentage of them tell me that they they moved out there for love.
0: Well, that's a a good thing.
1: That's a good reason. Yeah, I suppose that's right. It's it's probably better than most. So she brought you to Texas initially, but not Austin specifically?
0: Uh well, she was living in the Austin area, not actually in the Uh, City of Austin, but very close.
1: So when you say around Texas, you you largely mean around Austin.
0: Uh, Well, uh, my wife had a a job working for an animal sanctuary. I guess you'd call it a sanctuary. Um, They they had a a wide uh, variety of animals there, giraffes and pretty much rhinos, pretty much anything you could think of. So we lived um, there for almost three years, which was nice, but it was so remote and uh, um, it was difficult to find culturally culturally other like minded uh, people.
1: Again, I've been in New York for 15 years at this point, and and certainly culture was a big part of the reason why i not only moved out here, but I stayed, but I don't know. I feel like if I had a choice between giraffes and rhinos and rock shows, it'd be, be, be pretty difficult to choose oh, one yeah, at this point yeah. in my life. Right. But that sounds amazing. Were you able to actually sort of interact with the animals at all?
0: Uh, well, my wife did. Um, I, I can't say I did. Cause I'm not, not being a uh, employee. Um, there were things that uh, employees were, are, Allowed to do that, uh, non-employees, you know, just can't.
1: Certainly, you wouldn't want the wrong person interacting with a rhino. I would suspect. (laughs) No, I I don't talk to a lot of people on the show who 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 have horses. Have you? Have you always been a horse person, or is that her influence?
0: That that would be uh, Patty's um, influence. Uh, Yeah, she. uh, um, Well, at a very young age, she would ride horses, and then uh, boy, she's had horses for years and years.
1: I mean, I suppose if you live with horses, you're probably going to end up riding horses as well.
0: well. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the main joys that, that, that uh, she has
1: is uh, um, working with the horses. Oh, I meant on your end that, you know, that, that you, the, the two of you owning horses. I mean, I, I are you, are you a writer now? Uh, no, I'm not. <laughs> no. Um,
0: but but I, I I do enjoy being around the horses, but no, I don't ride.
1: I don't know horses super well, but it seems like there's an extent to which it's like having a really large, very very chill dog. Yeah, I would
0: think so. I mean, certainly there are horses that are very calm and others that are um, more spirited. Um, so you, you do need to take care.
1: This is my. Bias to a certain extent of you know living in this one bedroom apartment, um, but that seems like a a pretty great place to ride out a pandemic.
0: Well, it is, um, and and also we're just a, adjacent to um, boy, it's about three hundred and fifty acres of of land that has a path running through, which is was very nice. Um, during the pandemic that we were able to get outside and uh, have spend our energy outside rather than being cooped up somewhere.
1: You know, knowing what I know about you and your career, you are somebody who you're a big collaborator and and you've collaborated with, you know, not, not only the band, but um, various musicians over the years, including this new, this new record, which we can get into in a bit. but, you also strike me as somebody who is able to do a good percentage of your job solo, especially now, given the the technology that exists.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, a couple of years ago, I set a goal for myself to release uh, 100 al- albums in a year's time. And I actually ended up releasing 150 on uh, Bandcamp,
1: which... I mean that's a chunk. That's incredible. I, I you know, I was reading. Yeah, you know, I knew. I knew you were releasing a lot on Bandcamp. I, I didn't know the specifics about it. And I was reading this interview that Samuel was doing around this. New- oh, hello.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: What's his or her name?
0: Well, this is uh, Button. Button. And then I have another dog named uh, Blanket. A terrier. Well, it's a cross between
1: Australian Shepherd and Poodle. I know you're putting out a lot on your Bandcamp, but I didn't realize the extent to. It the extent of it. And I was reading this interview that Samuel was doing around the new record. And he sort of offhandedly said that when he approached you to collaborate, that um, you were in the process of putting out 150 albums in a year. And I just assumed that that had to be hyperbole. Like that doesn't seem, that doesn't seem humanly possible.
0: Well, it it did happen. Uh, yeah. And yeah. Um, so, I mean, was that 150 albums plus? The, uh, the two albums that I recorded with Sam. Um, so, actually, more than
1: 150. Think of the press material, it said 200 plus albums over your career. I've read, you know, 180, which obviously, given that the, the output that year, that's clearly very far off at this point. Do you have any notion of how many albums you've recorded over the course of your career?
0: My guess would be uh, right around, um. Well,
1: about two twenty. What is the process? What does a day look like for you during the year in which you're releasing 150 plus albums?
0: Well, I, I'm I, I'm able to work very fast. Um, so yeah, I just you know get down to it, um, and I, I'm able to uh, work at I think a good bit faster than a lot of people are able to.
1: I'm trying to do the math here. Um, Roughly on an average day, how many songs are we talking about? I guess not only writing, but performing and recording.
0: Well, well, most of the uh, albums, um, I was doing like two or three albums a a week. And most of the albums would have at least 13 songs. Um, So what what would that be? Um, Around... 40
1: divided by 7, whatever that is. Can you walk me through what a day looks like during that time?
0: Um, Well, actually, I I, I would only spend maybe about two hours each day um, focused on the music. um, Because I was also having art shows during that time and and had uh, um, several... Uh, exhibitions that I was working on, so uh, the uh, art uh, took a little bit more time from me than the
1: uh, music did. My rough math is probably somewhere between five and six a day, assuming you're working over the weekends. So, so that's roughly five to six that you're recording over a two-hour period. Oh, uh, yeah, I'd I say
0: that's about right.
1: Are you somebody who? I mean, are you able to? turn it off or are you somebody who to a certain extent is just kind of basically writing all the time?
0: Uh, well, I'm, I'm always doing something. I, I'm always either doing music or doing art. Um, and it
1: does, you know, it just comes so natural to me that I don't really have to, uh, think about it. You know, I've always said that being somebody who again, doesn't work in an office and doesn't work in a, you know, a strict, uh, in a, in sort of a strict environment. Um, is a double-edged sword, you know, great from the standpoint that you can, obviously you can make your hours. Um, you can do the work, the kind of work that you want to do, but the downside is, is that it, I don't, and I don't know if you're this way. I know not everybody is this way, but for a lot of people, the downside is that you can't really turn it off that there there's an extent to which you're always kind of writing, even if you're not around an instrument or, or a recorder.
0: What? I guess it's always um, there, but uh, it's not anything that bugs
1: me. Um, no, it, it, I'm, I'm certainly fine with it. I guess the question is, you don't you don't have to sort of be sitting down with the express purpose of writing a song.
0: No, things no.
1: will come to you during the day, and you'll when you sit down, you'll lean on those.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. I'd say that's that's true. Yes,
1: for a lot of musicians who do art, you know, I know you do drawings and. Um, Uh, paper cuttings that 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 process that 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 almost zen-like process of creating art in a lot of ways that's the time when those sorts of ideas come to you i guess guess so
0: i'm sure there is some mental process there but it, it just i mean it's so natural for me that i just don't give it any thought uh even with the songwriting, uh, so much of it is just uh, um, ad libbed as I'm doing it.
1: I mean, that's a good that's a good point because I think that's sort of the key differentiator here. Because again, you know, you hear all these stories about oh, I was taking a shower, or you know, I was I was in the bathroom, or and that's when this like that that's when this brilliant idea came to me, and I had to drop everything and you know run to a guitar. But the differentiator is that it sounds like you're you're uh, you're basically for a lot of these writings you play.
0: Uh, Yeah. yeah. Um uh, Well, the uh, songs I was doing with Sam, many of those were when I would do the vocal, I wouldn't listen to the music first. I, I would just turn on, on the music and, and do the vocal and with, with the lyrics um, just kind of ad lib at the time. And I, I think it worked out well that,
1: that way. We got a cameo from Blanket and Button. Yes. I have to admit that I wasn't familiar at all with Sam before hearing about this album. How did he cross your radar?
0: Well, he, he sent a, a message to me, and I uh, was able to see some of the uh, videos on uh, YouTube, and I liked what he was doing. And when he first contacted me, I, I thought, boy, you know, I'm already doing. Um, Three albums a week You know, do I want to take on Doing anything else And um, So I I asked him To, you know, please contact me again In a couple months, which he did And by that time I was already Close to Having a hundred albums Finished, so I I thought Well, you know, it seemed safe To me to um, Give it a go, and I'm so glad that I did. Uh, Sam's been great. Very easy to work with and he, he's so talented.
1: You know, knowing that you do collaborate with or have collaborated with so many people over the years, do, do a lot of people reach out and suggest that?
0: Uh well, um most of the times it, it starts as as being a friendship. I mean, with uh Yoga Tango, um I I knew Ira, Georgia, and James uh, years before they even started, uh, Yulipin. So I, I was friends with them and it just seemed, um, a good thing to do, you know, uh, play music with your friends. Same thing with, uh, Daniel Johnston. Um, I first started corresponding with them and then that ended up with the, uh, uh recording together. And, uh, same with our Stevie Moore and what well, with most of them, um, it, it would start as a friendship.
1: So, friendship, and also the you know the added advantage of you. I mean, obviously, <clears throat> Tango being slightly different that you knew them prior to that, they're making music, but it's obviously it's useful if you know and and enjoy the music that they make. Oh, absolutely, yeah. What was it that you saw in Sam that you thought would be? useful for collaboration
0: well I th- think he has a, a real pop sense um, which really appeals to to me um, if, if you hear the songs well there's a, a, a section for a verse section for a chorus there's an intro there's a, a outro or whatever you call it at the end of a song so it all boy, it all just makes sense to me.
1: Those are more or less the, I don't want to say constraints, but the, I, I guess the structure that you've, the milieu that you've been working in for basically your entire career.
0: Uh, well, I've, I've gone in certainly a lot of different directions, but yeah, m- most of them will have like a first course kind of thing going on.
1: Do you find it useful um, to have that, I guess, relatively Strict structure when it comes to sitting down and actually writing and recording?
0: Well, it certainly makes it easier to uh, come up with the lyrics because you kind of have a feeling for when to sing and when not to, to sing, which timing ha- has a, a good bit to do
1: with song structure. So it sounds like the process, more or less, the process of working with him was as you said him producing the music and you're laying down vocals over it was that how all the songs were recorded well i i did add
0: add some um instruments later but th- almost all of it is uh the music is sam
1: I, I suppose that also helps on your end as far as being able to be a little bit faster with the the creation of the music if somebody is somebody's basically um creating the fields for you to operate inside of right right
0: And then, uh, well, Sam would send me music. I would add my vocal. And then after Sam would hear my vocal with the music, sometimes he would add a backing vocal um, or add some other
1: uh, um, overdubs to it. Um,
0: So it kind of went back and forth.
1: Yeah. And, And again, this is the kind of thing that you are able to do now in a way that you wouldn't have been able to do, you know, 20 30 years ago. Oh no. Yeah, it, it's so much easier to record now than it uh, used to be. Do you lose something by not being in the room with somebody? No. Well, I I I certainly like the uh, like being in a room with
0: other people. Um cuz uh, it it just seems friendlier uh, that way. I mean, not that it's not friendly with Sam, it certainly is friendly with him. But it is nice uh, being able to have eye contact
1: uh, with people as, as you're doing music. I hear from a lot of musicians, whether it's performing in studio or playing in front of an audience, that there is a certain – there's an energy that you get from other people that, that's really hard, if not impossible, to kind of recreate over the computer. Right. We're talking over, over, um, over the computer right now, and – I used to do all of these in person. Uh the it was the pandemic that made me start doing it this way. And then at a certain point I realized that you're certainly not getting a hundred percent of the way there. And certainly if we were sitting down at a coffee shop and having this conversation, you know, I think that in a lot of ways it would be different. But that the I guess the amount of time and the effort that it ultimately saves me is Perhaps worth maybe sacrificing a, a little bit of that in- person magic. Right right.
0: Well I would yes,
1: I would agree with that. Yes. So is your process with him is that similar to other collaborations you've had in the past?
0: It, it is very similar, yeah because a lot of times because um, so, so much of what I do with the vocals and the lyrics are made up on the spot. Because i I am pretty quick at, at coming up with lyrics um, so i um, w- working with Sam is quite a bit like working with uh, other people <laughs> uh, just
1: boy. I mean it just is I suppose it does though vary from person to person, you know whether it's whether it's IRA or you know daniel certainly is was an amazing lyricist you know one of the i would say probably one of the great songwriters of our time so that's certainly you know you 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 want to lean on somebody's skill set when you're collaborating with them you want to sort of be in the position of helping bring out the best in them
0: well we're working with uh, daniel you know sometimes it would be very easy to work with him and other times it would just, it, it would be obvious that Daniel was not wanting to record at that time. And any time that would hap- happen, uh, I would just say, you know, let's go get some pizza or, because um, I mean, the, you know, if Daniel, I mean, there's a limit to, to how, how much, uh, you can push some, something like like that, you know. If if it feels good to to Daniel, I'm all for it. But you know, if he um, would let prefer to do something else, well, okay, let's do some. I have
1: really one. I had one in person interaction with him, wherein I was I, I interviewed him on stage, and I think that that was one of those days where he didn't necessarily. Want to be there? A little unfortunate on my end because you know it was like it was the one opportunity that I had. But, but he is, and I, I'm like this to a certain extent. I think a lot of people are like this to a certain extent. That, especially when it comes to creativity, that you really you've got to be in the right mood, you've got to be in the right mindset in order to really to produce things that are worthwhile.
0: Oh, I think so, and and I mean, we're, we're working with uh, with Daniel, if he was in the right mindset, he was so fast. So he had such a quick mind and uh, things would just um, uh, flow from him. But, you know, in other times he, he just didn't feel like doing it.
1: Which, you know, is fair enough. In terms of the band, in terms of half Japanese, um, it, it is, I, I know that, uh, you know, at least early on it was really you and your brother doing uh, a lot of that, a lot of the creative process, but is the is the process of being a songwriter similar for you in a band setting?
0: Uh, well, with half, half Japanese, uh, all the uh, band members live in different cities, um, Well, even a couple different countries too. Um, uh, Mick Hobbs lives in England. Um, Jill Reader lives in Switzerland. Uh, Jason, John, and I are all in the U.S., but in different cities, so we. Only get together when it's time to uh, do shows or time to uh, record. Which, uh, I mean, we all get along very well together. But it's difficult for us to get together unless there's uh, something really planned out.
1: Is there an advantage to that at all, to to being in a band with somebody who you don't really have an opportunity to see on a day-to-day basis?
0: Uh, Perhaps so, uh, because there are, are things that, you know, might bug you ab- about working with someone. But if it was every single day, day after day, after day, after day, it, it, it might build up to a point where you think, uh, you know, I just don't want to do it in, anymore. But when you work with someone and then you have a breather away, it, it things just kind of,
1: it just levels out. So it sounds like at this point that the membership of the band is pretty, pretty much in place at this point. I know obviously over the years, there have been people, a lot of people who've come in and out.
0: Well, I've, I've been playing with, with uh, John Sluggett, Mick Hobbs, Jill Reeder, uh, Jason Willett for, boy, since, uh, would have been 93. Uh, so yeah, quite a, quite a few years. Uh, well with, John started with me in 87. So even before I started working also with Jason, <laughs> Jill,
1: and uh, Mick. So you really settled into the uh, the core of the band. I mean, I, 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 most, most of the band members there, um, it sounds like it was at least in, in the years prior, because even... Obviously, '93, a long time ago now, but the band had been around for, I guess, a couple of decades already. At that point, that that the that there were more people coming in and out of the bands in the early days.
0: Well, p- part of that was due because we e- each had uh, day jobs, and you know, sometimes it would be difficult to everyone to get away at the same time. So, if I had shows coming up and one band member wasn't able to do it, I, I would ask someone else to take their place during that time period. And it was more because of that. Um, and, and it was always, uh, always understood that that was the reason behind it. And it was not because I didn't want to work with them. It's just, uh, it didn't fit out with their schedule.
1: So was a plan always to have a, a more permanent lineup? Well,
0: I, I'm very glad that I I do have the, uh, still working with the people I do. Um, I don't know that it was a plan,
1: but I'm glad that it's worked out that way. One of the things I'm trying to figure out, uh, is was Mo Tucker ever officially in the band? Uh, no, not,
0: but, um, Mo was using Half Japanese as her backing. band, So, she wasn't a member of Half Japanese, but half Japanese
1: was part of the, uh, Mo Tucker. And I mean, that must have been a thrill. I mean, you know, talk about just all time heroes. Oh yeah.
0: The, uh, cause certainly, um uh, Velvet Underground, I was a huge fan and, um, well with the Velvet Underground and, um, also Mo is a solo artist. The, um, playing possum album. Um, it's one of my favorite albums. Um, her solo album. Uh, So it was a a thrill to be able to work with her.
1: It is an interesting thing about, uh, about the music that you make that they're, you know, we were speaking earlier about this idea of, of structure or at least sort of paint, you know, drawing in coloring in the lines to a certain extent of like having this clear verse chorus format. But I, but I know at the same time that you have been, you've always been attracted to people who didn't quite do that or people who didn't do that in the same way. You know, I know that um, I was reading an interview that you did where you talked about some of, uh, I guess the most influential records on, on your life and your music making and the shags are in there and the shags are great, but the shags are kind of the, I guess you would say the quintessential outsider artists.
0: Well, I, I was, had the pleasure of, doing a couple shows with uh, Dot Wiggin. And uh, she came by uh, and uh, we recorded uh, three songs with with Dot, with Half Japanese. Uh, I knew that Dot was a huge fan of uh, Herman's Hermits. So we did uh, three Herman's Hermits songs. And uh, it, it was very fun to be able to work with her. One, one, one thing that really surprised me, talking to, uh, to Dot, she told me that when they recorded The Philosophy of the World, uh, that they had uh, all the uh, music written out, that they would all read music, uh, which, boy, I was surprised at that.
1: You're talking about... Um... Actually, reading music in the classic sense of
0: Uh, yes, correct. How did that work? I I don't know. I mean, listening to it, you you can kind of see that the guitars are doing the same things together. Whether the drummer was (laughs) was well, I don't know. Uh, Well, another thing, talking to Dot, I I was asking her why shags is spelled with two G's. Um, Cause I thought, well, you know, it's the shag haircut. It would just be one G. And she was saying, uh, well, shaggy dog, um, shaggy dog
1: has two G's. Okay. I love having a conversation with somebody and you ask them a question about something and they just have their own internal logic and they explain it to you. And yeah, of course that makes perfect sense that it would have two G's in the shags. Um, I just never would have thought, you know, Shaggy Dog. What drew you to music like theirs originally?
0: Uh, well, a friend of mine, had, I mean, this is was, boy, it would have been uh, around 1985 or 86. I was given a cassette tape.
1: So you had already been making music for a while at that point. Oh, yeah,
0: yeah. Um, I was given a cassette tape of the Shags and, and just immediately um, loved it. So, well, the same thing with Daniel Johnston, you know it it didn't take any time at all for me to fall for it.
1: Yeah, there is this thing where if you're making something i mean I, I I would definitely classify a lot of what you do as being idiosyncratic, but that you're doing something that is original and then you find somebody, you realize that, hey, maybe you know maybe there are kindred spirits out there and it and it does seem that Daniel in particular. Was a real kindred spirit for you.
0: Well, I, I think so. And, and I was um, corresponding with Daniel um, through the mail for about three years before I actually met him. And uh, I met Daniel at a uh, recording session for uh, Mo Tucker. Um, Daniel was in New York singing with uh, Steve Shelley, um, who's a, a friend of mine and has been for years. Uh, so during that time of daniel in uh, new york we would spend quite a bit of time together
1: he was an artist as well i mean that that's that's another quality that the two of you shared
0: oh yeah very much so i love daniel's artwork
1: in terms of being in a band you know you alluded to this i guess the conversations at some point somebody has to say and i would suspect it's largely you say hey you know it's time to Record a new record, or it's time to to go out on tour. Um, Obviously, although members have changed over the years, half Japanese has been a going concern for quite a long time now. Is there any time you finish a tour or finish an album? Is there always, is it always understood that you're going to just keep doing this?
0: Oh yeah, I mean we certainly don't feel any need or any wish to um, to end it. If anything, we we would like to be able to record more together. Uh, But there's being in different cities, um, it would be difficult to to get together um, without having a show or or something to cover the cost of uh, travel.
1: Are there any plans on the horizon?
0: At at the end of March, uh, Half Japanese will be in London for a week. We're going to have one. Uh, music show and a club called a uh, moth club. And and then uh, we're going to have five days of recording in New London.
1: I was talking a little bit about schedules and, and the output, you know, the, the, the year, the, the very recent year in which you recorded 150 plus albums. Have you written or recorded yet today?
0: Uh, n- no, I haven't, but I'm, I'm planning to. Cause um, I just, uh, well, there's two songs that, I still need to add vocals to uh, of uh, songs that Sam has given sent to me, and then there's uh, three demos that uh, Jason Willett sent to me this morning of ideas that he wants to um, songs he wants to do while we're in London. So I, I would like like to have the lyrics somewhat worked out before we have the
1: studio time. Does a day ever go by when, you, when you're when you not writing or recording? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: But I'm, I'm usually, um, you know, if I'm not recording, you know, I'm drawing or working on uh, paper cuts or on videos. Because um, uh, with um, the uh, album with, with the half-Japanese albums and the albums with Sam, I I would do a a video for each song, uh, animated video and that takes a a good bit of time.
1: So a day never goes by or a day very rarely goes by when you're not at least doing something creative.
0: Uh, Very very seldom, yeah. Um, I'm usually doing something.